Hello, my name is Alia Cruz, Information Officer in CDCR's Office of Public and Employee Communications. April 23rd to 29th is National Crime Victims' Rights Week, a time to honor victims and recognize the professionals who support them. In honor of this important week, I'm joined here today by Katie James, Chief of the Department's Office of Victims' Rights and Services, also known as OVSRS. We'll be discussing the many functions of Katie's office and how, for the past 35 years, it has remained dedicated to supporting victims and their loved ones. Hi, Katie. Thanks Hi. for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Please tell me a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in victim services. Thank you. So I'm Katie James. I am the chief of the office. I've been with CDCR for over 18 years. Much of that time has been at the Department of Corrections Victim Services office. Oh, awesome. Um, what was your first position in victim services? I'm just curious. Actually, my first position goes back to when I worked at the Board of Parole hearings, which was called the Board of Parole Terms at that time. I was an analyst that did all the victim coordination for the parole board hearings. Um, during a reorganization, that position was reorganized and placed under Department of Corrections with the Victim Services Unit that was existing. And I came over to CDCR as my first job under that, and I promoted to a manager of that division. I stayed with that division, promoted to a manager to the assistant chief, and now the chief. Awesome. Um, how long ago did you become chief? In 2021. Oh, wow. Great. So every year, um, our department and departments all across the country uh, celebrate National Crime Victims' Rights Week. Um, this year's National Crime Victims' Rights Week um, focuses on honoring the voices of victims, um, you know, by elevating, engaging, and affecting change. In what ways is your department dedicated to supporting this community? So I really appreciate the theme this year as our office has made strides in communicating with uh, victims, especially those underserved or that speak a foreign language. We have um, engaged in a contract for interpreting services and translation services for every language. We have worked hard on our 1707 form, our request for victim services form to translate in Spanish. We have increased our staffing twofold, and many of those staff, eight approximately, are bilingual staff and they speak Spanish. Wow, how many staff members do you have now? Approximately right now, we have 45 staff members. And you said that's doubled what you had previously. Wow, that's huge. Right. And then um, how many languages now are your materials available in? Our materials right now are in English and Spanish, and we've just contracted to produce um, our overview pamphlet in seven additional languages. And I noticed you mentioned a form. Um, can you explain what that form is and why it's important? Yes, so the 1707 form is a request for victim services form. It is important because that's the initial step a victim takes to fill out, to request any of our services that we have available, as well as gives us the information on their contact. And so we can um, outreach to them when certain laws are changed or when certain processes are changed. Um, we're able to contact them and reach out to them. Is a uh, victim able to fill out this form at any time, or it, does it ever expire? Correct. A victim is able to access this form on our website electronically. They can also down, download it and make a copy, a PDF form. They can fill this form out um, at the time of the sentencing or post-sentence. 
Uh, they don't necessarily need the inmate CDC number to fill this out. We pin, we pin those forms until we have the body delivered to CDCR to have the number assigned. It, it's encouraged to fill out the form whenever the victim is able to in their healing process. We realize when they get the form at, at the same time as sentencing, it can be overwhelming. So we make the form available to them in different ways um, via our website, working with the district attorney's offices, working with nonprofit groups in the communities, and working with Cal. California Victim Compensation Board uh, regarding that form and giving that form to them. And um, crime victims aren't the only ones who could do this, correct? Their uh, support systems can also fill out the form. Correct. So obviously the victim of the crime and if the victim's um, not able to, then the family members of the victim of the crime, as well as we do offer services for witnesses. Oh, awesome. So when they fill out this form, what are some um, general services available to them? So general services would be, of course, notification of release, uh, notification of parole board hearing, notification of death if the offender passes away in prison, we'll notify them. Also, this form will give them the ability to register for notification of post-transfer for an offender that's transferred to another prison, they'll be notified. We also notify upon gender and name changes that happen in the institutions. Um, we uh, collect restitution automatically. However, the, the form ensures that their address is on file properly and we're able to marry up their funds with them. Uh, the form also gives them the ability to communicate with um, Division of Adult Parole Operations, DAPO, regarding any conditions of parole that they think is relevant, such as no contact or due to certain crimes requesting a 35-mile radius from the offender. For those who might not know, what is uh, restitution and what can it help with? So there's two forms of restitution. There's a fine that the offender's um, sentenced with upon sentencing, and there could be a victim restitution direct order. And what that is is a direct order made out to a victim in a certain amount of money, and those are for out-of-pocket losses the victim suffered because of the crime. And in those cases, CDCR does collect that money, 50% of any deposit in the inmate's trust account, and we can collect that on behalf of the victim and uh, forward that to the victim when we've collected a certain amount. Excellent. And then they could use that for... Um therapy, what other sort of um, Correct. Things? They can use that for therapy or to pay back the bills that they had incurred during the crime. Or more importantly, many of them use it just to um, have a reminder to the offender uh, about the harm that they caused. And it, it really makes the victim whole to be knowing that the offender is working in the right direction by making those payments. What are some more unknown uh, services that you guys provide to victims? Like I know... Um, restorative justice practices are, are something that you guys focus on as well. Correct. We have a, a large program in our office, which is the Victim Offender Dialogue, VOD program, where upon a victim's request, they can request to actually dialogue, have a dialogue with their offender that harmed them. They work with a facilitator. Um, we have one of many groups of facilitators, and they go through the process of the steps it takes to do this process. It's not a quick process. It takes about a year. Um, it's voluntary by the offender as well, as well as the victim. It can be stopped at any time. And uh, that's a service that many victims are taking advantage of. And we do have the Apology Letter Bank, which is a relatively newer program in our office where offenders at the institutions are working with trained facilitators mm -hmm. on drafting these letters of remorse or um, acknowledgement. And once their facilitator has okayed the letter, they send them to our office. 
We store them here at the headquarters office, and upon request of a victim, if they want the letter, they're able to reach out to us and, and gain the letter. And I think it's important to state that this is all um, has to be initiated by the victim. The Correct. victim is in control of Correct. this entire process. Yes, victim initiated. And why do you think some victims want to take this avenue? Why do you think it's important to them to have this option? It's important in their healing journey. Uh, many times victims have questions about those instances where the crime was only their family member and the inmate there present. And they want to ask those tough questions that might not have been answered in, in the trial phase. A lot of it is about forgiveness. Uh, many victims choose to forgive their offender and they want their offender to know that you know they have moved on in their life. Um, other victims want to make sure that the offender is healing properly and not causing more harm in, in the community society, as well as, as when they are released, that they are, uh, they are more, um, uh, they're more at peace with their behavior and that they're not going to cause harm to other family members. And it's important to recognize that healing is, you know, not linear. It's important to offer people different avenues for it. So that's a really important service. Okay. And then also, sorry, one more thing about the victim offender dialogue program is I know this year you guys are launching um, a new internal database where you can kind of track these. Uh, do you want to mention anything about that? Correct. At any, any given time within our unit, we have 45 to 50 pending VOD cases, which are in the motion to get completed. And, and like I said before, they take about a year to complete. There's many different stages and processes they go through. We've kicked off a database in April of 2023, which is an internal database for our coordinating of these programs. Um, this is an internal database at this time, but we're excited in the future to possibly give uh, trained facilitators uh, permissions to make their actual case notes in in the database itself mm -hmm. so we're really excited to have this organization um, in this new program that that we've been wanting to um, capture for a long time so i know um, an important mission of your office is to um, engage with the community and let different uh, co collaborate with different organizations to let victims know what what services are available to them can you provide me some examples of how your team goes out in the community and correct this is a um, our office's 35th year anniversary so we're very excited about that and part of uh, a lot of what we do is outreach we do have a victims of crime act grant evoca grant which affords us the ability to go and outreach to different nonprofit groups we travel we attend different packed meetings. Um, we also work closely with all of our state agencies which serve crime victims, such as the Attorney General's Office, the California Victim Compensation Board, um, the Secretary of State's Office for Safe at Home Program. So highly collaborative, right? Correct. It's great. You've mentioned that it's been 35 years uh, since your office has been implemented. Um, since you joined the team, what noteworthy advancements um, have been made since then. I know technology is a huge one, um, but can you provide me some specifics? Uh, correct. Technology is a huge one, and we realized that our services, while they're good, they were a little archaic. So we were able to create the 1707 form and have it on our website, which is our electronic submission form. We've also created a Board of Parole Hearings reservation portal for victims to make a reserve on a hearing date. They can make a reservation, and it can be for a hearing next month, or it can be a hearing for six months in the future. That's really helped our public to know um, how to handle 
RSVPing for a parole board hearing. We've created the Unknown Victim Restitution mm-hmm. Portal. So if you're a victim in the, out in the community and you believe that you may have had restitution collected on your behalf, but you're not sure, you can go to that portal and fill out some information, which is an immediate research to see if you have any uncollected claims for you. And then um, in regards to that restitution portal, actually, there's a lot of unclaimed restitution sitting, right? That you're just waiting to connect. Correct. There is. There is a lot of collected money on behalf of victims, which is housed by California Victim Compensation Board. However, we are trying to find those victims to collect on their funds that we've collected for them. And again, the key is sign up for services, register online with your office. Correct. Correct. The key is that for sure. Our electronic services, we've launched an email transfer notification. When an offenders move from one prison to another, you'll get an email notification letting you know of that movement. Um, we also will be launching our email and letter update of discharge. So we will be reaching out to victims to advise that the offender has discharged on parole. Lastly, I'd just like to comment that part of uh, our growth of our office has led us to be able to do an in advance outreach plan, which we've never done before. Um, now we are reaching out to victims approximately 180 days prior to a hearing, asking the victims what they prefer, if they prefer to attend, do they need transcripts, do they need help with the hearing, would they like reimbursement for traveling to a hearing? And um, that's never been done before in the history of our office. We were always um, upon request and responsive, not being proactive. And so this more proactive approach has really uh, built wonderful relationships with victims and their families. It's demystified CDCR and our office, and um, we're seeing a lot of of positive come from this program. A lot of offenders um, are also seeing the positives in that victims are more prepared for the hearing. Uh, Victims are more prepared for the restorative justice component, depending on where they are in their healing, and um, we're seeing it's been very much a successful process. For this year's National Crime Victims' Rights Week, Katie, what are some ways that we are um, getting institutions involved? Secretary McCumber will be sending out a memo to the institution's staff um, mid-March, late March to beginning in April, encouraging all institutions to participate in this week and to recognize the importance of this week. In that um, mailer that goes out, it will include information about Crime Victims' Rights Week, posters, items that they can share with their team there. Many prisons choose to do different um different type of uh, fundraisers or sales, which they appropriate the checks back to nonprofit victim groups in their community. Um, Other institutions will do awareness and a moment of silence, and they will encourage their team members to participate in this week locally, uh, where the prisons are held in the community, as well as our teams here at headquarters. Oftentimes our staff will go out to different county events in the state of California because we serve the whole state. And I also recall that last year, um, a lot of guest speakers would enter the institutions and have really engaging conversations with the population about the impact of crime. And I know those are really impactful as well. Correct. Yes, it's very impactful when a, when a victim comes into an institution and speaks with offenders about the damages the crime has caused and, and the steps of healing that they've taken on their journey and how they, they can apply that to the offender's steps of healing as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me, Katie. And, you know, thank you to your office for all it does for victims um, during this week and, you know, every day. So appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.